podcast. My name is Victoria Smith and I am your host and today we are on episode number 47. Apparently I'm the one that's really excited by that. I can't imagine what we're going to do when we get to episode number 50. I can't have champagne because I am pregnant so I imagine there will be lots of chocolate or a cupcake, something along those lines. Anyways, I want to tell you about today's guest who I'm so pleased and honored to have on the podcast. Her name is Joanna Penn, and if you are in the writing community, you will definitely have heard of her before. So Joanna Penn also goes by the blog name, The Creative Pen, or you can find her on Twitter at The Creative Pen, and she has written over I mean, I think it's almost 25 books, possibly more at this point, a combination of nonfiction and fiction in terms of thrillers. And they're kind of like a Dan Brown meets Lara Croft as her thrillers. And her fiction, her nonfiction books are all about how to be a better writer, how to be a healthier writer, how to Uh, have a successful author mindset and have a full-time career as an author. And the reason that she has these books is because she is making her full-time living as an author, which is incredibly difficult to do. There's not many author entrepreneurs out there, but Joanna has a really great understanding of the business that goes along with being a full-time writer. So in this podcast episode, whether you're a writer or not, if you're someone that works from home or is self-employed, I think you will get a lot of really great juicy details out of this. So Joanna and I start off by talking about how she went from a very traditional corporate career, you know, the kind of job everyone's supposed to really love and you know it pays well and you get to travel but she wasn't satisfied with it so we talk about how she made the leap from that to writing full-time which is everyone's dream but she did it in such an incredibly smart way so that she didn't fail and that's the thing is I think we hear so often about people that are like oh I'm gonna quit my job and travel or I'm gonna quit my job and do x y and z but they don't create the path they don't have the plan in order to supplement their income and make it viable. They put too much pressure on the passion and ultimately so many people end up having to go back to those types of jobs or even, you know, an even worse job, that kind of thing. So Joanna and I talk about how she made that transition. We talk about how she the things she actually misses from a traditional job and how she incorporated that into her own life, how she balances her day, how she sort of batches certain work, how she uh, balances her income as well. We talk about how she's got various income streams to make sure that, you know, there's always something on the go. And then we also obviously talk about writing. We talk about the book that has taught her the most in her career. We talk about the importance of health, especially as a writer or anyone that works from home, and the importance of creating art or creating something and putting something out in the world and how fulfilling that can be. So it is a fantastic interview. I was so honored to have her on. She's an absolute pleasure and one of the most joyful, positive people that you will meet. So I had an absolute blast with her. Now, I want to let you know that today's podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, ATB, I think one of the coolest things that they do, which is super relevant for today's episode about being an entrepreneur or an author art entrepreneur, is that ATB have their Entrepreneur Center. So whether you're starting or building a business, ATB's Entrepreneur Center is a great place to go. And of course, they can also help you with the banking, but they also offer workshops and networking opportunities and basically all these ways to learn how to 
you know, run the best business you possibly can. And they can help set you up with a mentor, which is just an incredible opportunity at your fingertips. So to find out more about this, I would go to atblistens.com and you will find more information there. Now, this episode is also sponsored by the Alberta Women Entrepreneurs. Now, they are having a learning day on February 20th in Edmonton. So that's not far away. We're about a month away from there. And it's a one-day conference that features keynotes and workshops about human resources, operations, financing, marketing, technology, and mindset. That's something we talk about in this interview today, a successful mindset. So this is a learning day where you'll get tangible skills, information, access to expert resources, and it'll help build your business. It's also a great place to meet other entrepreneurs because it can feel really lonely when you're working for yourself. So they make sure to sort of link you up with some people. Now, if you want to get 10% off of your off of your ticket price, you need to use the promo code podcast at checkout. Now, in order to register, I will link to it in the show notes, which can be found today at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 47, episode number 47. So without further ado, let's head over to today's interview. Well, thank you so much, Joanna, for joining us on the Girl Tries Life podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Victoria. I'm excited to be here. Well, we have read your bio in the intro, but I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about, most of us know you as a writer, but what was your life like pre-full-time writing? You worked in IT? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because, I mean, okay, so get this, it's a quite sexy title, you know, writer, full-time yeah. writer, but I used to implement accounts payable into large corporates. <laughs> oh, Okay. That's basically what I did. So uh, I, I left university. I have a master's in theology from Oxford, a really useful degree, and then went into consulting and basically worked all over Europe and Asia Pacific. So I was a cubicle slave, but a very highly paid cubicle slave. And I'm, I'm sure some people know what I'm talking about. You know, when you're paid to do a job that you know, paid well to do a job that you're not that interested in. And after 13 years, I basically was feeling creatively dead, spiritually dead, uh, you know, emotionally just off off the wall. And I was married and we had a house and all the things you're meant to have in your 30s. And then life is meant to be complete. And I just was not happy. And, you know, I found myself crying at work uh, just Every day, my husband was like, we have to do something because life is more than this. It's more than being miserable in the job. And and that I think sometimes I feel a bit guilty about that, you know, because the job was a good job. And in many economies, it's difficult to even get that type of work. But I just was so miserable. And, and that's kind of what helped me to make the decision to change my life. And that was kind of back in 2004, 2005, when I was I was feeling that way. Yeah, well, the golden handcuffs are tough. And I mean, there's something I agree with what you're saying about, you know, it's a good job, but there's a good job and the right job for you, right? Yeah. And I mean, maybe I think this is also difficult because I'm I'm a sort of Generation X and I know now it's quite common for people to have side hustles or to be, I think you called it multi-passionate. But, you know, from it sort of 
the expectation of of my family and my husband's family and and all of that was that you decided on a career and and that was it and you became a sort of good member of society if you followed that career so i think the the problem i had at first was i didn't know what i wanted to do and the realization that i'd fallen into a career that paid well and just through a series of non choices you know i i i'm not an accountant i didn't have any accounting background and yet ended up you know doing accounts payable and the the last company I worked for was a a multinational uh, mining company (laughs) it's just so different and so yeah finding the right job for you I think is more like you know what is the lifestyle that you want and then how can you meet that lifestyle and some of those decisions are, are difficult but have to be done Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talk about getting to a point where you're very low mentally and spiritually. So wanting to make that transition. But did you have sort of anything else that you wanted in place? Like, did you know it was going to be writing that you were transitioning to? Or did you what was the lead up to quitting your job? Yeah, sure. So basically, I started listening to a lot of self-help. So this was kind of before podcasting went nuts, but there were downloadable audios. And, you know, this was kind of when MP3 started to come in. So I was, I was listening to a lot of audiobooks. Um, and I did the good American self-help, you know, sort of Tony Robbins. Yeah. Uh, it was also the time when Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, came out, which is a great book that I highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Work week came out around then and so these types of things made me you know really start to think about making a change but I didn't know what I wanted to do so what I thought I would do was write a book because even though I didn't think of myself as a writer I have been a reader have always been a reader and I thought well what if I research a self-help book as if I was writing a self-help book and all the things that I've been reading I will gather together and put them into a new book and see if that helps people and in the process of writing that book which I I sort of republished later on it's called career change in the process of writing that I discovered that I loved writing yeah (laughs) and and also then started learning about publishing about marketing and that was also around the time that ebooks and the kindle uh, were starting to take off and it became it actually became viable to make a living as a writer so when I saw that when I saw that as a blogger as a speaker as a writer you could start making decent money I started to do it on the side. So I I did start a sort of side hustle. So between 2006 to 2011, I basically built everything on the side. And we can go into more detail on that. But essentially, it took me five years of side hustling uh, before I left my job. Okay. And that I think that makes so much sense. Because what was it? I was have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Yes, of course. Wonderful yeah, where book. she talks about not putting the pressure on your passion to be the thing that makes the money, but like give it, give it time to grow and give it like give it that opportunity. I think so many people think I'm I hate my job, I'm going to quit it today. And then they put so much pressure on that new thing to to thrive and succeed. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. It's probably the most important thing because also sometimes you don't know what you want. I mean, I could have written that book and then decided that was not what I wanted. Uh, I started speaking and then later kind of decided that I did not want the lifestyle of a professional speaker, which basically involves traveling in not a very romantic way (laughs) most of the year. And I'm like, no, that's not good. So I think the, you know, what I did, I, I started a blog in 2008. I started a podcast in 2009. I started a YouTube channel. I got on social media and I started to try and help other people. And I think those things are actually quite important. Like you're, like you're doing with this podcast by helping other people. And by, uh, also by meeting people through interviews, you start to build your network, you start to attract an audience. And once you attract an audience, it's much easier then to kind of work out what you're doing. So by blogging, by podcasting, by interviewing, interviewing people you're interested in or by writing you can actually narrow down your interests and in that way attract the people who might end up buying something from you so I started all of those things I was still working full-time and then I transitioned to four days a week and then I said to my husband in 2011 look I've saved six months income because uh, I was the prime breadwinner basically. So it was very important. We also downsized. So we sold our house, we moved to a flat, we changed our life completely so that we could give this a go. So that was in 2011. And in 2015, my husband left his job, and we now both own the business and it's a multi six figure business. So it's kind of at this point been a 11 year 10 11 year overnight success (laughs) sort of thing it's so incredible though like you're right how many people think that like they see a name like yours and they're like oh overnight success but the amount of work that you know went into that like yeah and you don't know what you're doing I mean you don't know how to podcast until you start a podcast right you don't know how to build a, a wordpress site until you try it you don't know how to write a book until you do it and then you have to run a business. So the aspects of learning and the kind of upskilling and uh, I, I think you're training to be a coach yeah. as well, aren't you? Yeah, one of the things. And and this is the thing, you realize all of these things are new skills that you need to train yourself in and then you have to try them. So for example, I'm an independent publisher. I had to learn about publishing. I, I, don't, I don't have a degree in marketing. I had to learn marketing. You know, all of these things are really exciting, but they take time to learn and master. So I think another aspect would be, are you someone who loves to learn? Uh, Because that is one of the most important things with, with being an entrepreneur, I think. Absolutely. And what I think is so refreshing about, about you is yes, you're taking all this energy to learn the things and to write the books, but you're also sharing so much of this information for free on your blog and your podcast, which is immensely beneficial to all of your readers and listeners out there and like free of charge. Yeah. Well, I think the, we're also very influenced by our teachers. And for me, when I came online with the sort of business models back in 2007, 2008, the people that I was learning from, the people I was attracted to, blogs like Copy Blogger, Entrepreneur's Journey, you know, these were early blogs that then turned into businesses. And they all have this business model. It all stems from generosity, give everything away. Like, you know, most of my nonfiction books all of the information is available on my website for free yeah. um, and or, or you can spend a couple of dollars and download it in a more useful format but it's like a 
by giving it away for free, you attract the people who resonate with you. And I think that that generosity and abundance mindset is so important. And it's not just important from a business perspective, because obviously lots of people have other business models, but from a mindset perspective, I love to live in an abundant world where you can write as many books as you like and so can I and none of us are competing. In fact, the people who buy the books that we love and the books we write want to buy more and more books. So it's better for us to work together, promote each other and we all benefit. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So what was the most challenging thing about transitioning like when you did in 2011 make that full time working from home writing the business side of it what was the hardest part well a couple of things really surprised me and uh, every year since I've left I, I do do a roundup of my lessons learned uh, which people can find at the creativepen.com forward slash timeline because I was so surprised by what I missed so what was weird is I missed a commute <laughs> Because of course, I know, I've been commuting for like 13 years. And even though I hated my office, because I'm an introvert, and I couldn't stand to be in these open plan, noisy, uh, stimulating offices, I still found that being on my own at home was driving me a little bit nuts. And then my husband would come home and I just talk at at him, you know, because I didn't have anyone else to talk to. So one of the first things I changed was instead of the dream of like working at home, I started working in a library in the centre of London. So I was living in London. And so I would commute in the morning. I would get myself a coffee from the coffee shop. I would go to the library and I would work, you know, proper office hours and then come home. And thus I maintained uh, a semblance of routine. So what I think is a struggle for people, if you go from an externally imposed routine where you have to be at a day job five days a week from this time to this time maybe you have lunch with the same people maybe you take your breaks at a similar time and then you go from that to going working from your house where you're intrinsically having to motivate yourself it can be very difficult so imposing some kind of structure on yourself is a very good way to transition I also was quite shocked by my loss of self-esteem which is another sort of crazy shift. And again, it's because I was paid a good wage to, and I was at the, in the top of my field of implementing accounts payable. <laughs> and, and, and I'd gone from that to being at home. And I, I, you know, still, I mean, it's not like I'm a famous author or something, but you go and you're sitting at home and you're like, oh, well, there's no one telling me I'm good anymore. There's nobody praising me or giving me a wage or, you know, what am I worth? So you have to, again, go from that extrinsic worth to the the in, intrinsic worth of going, no, I am, and my affirmation has always been, I am creative, I am an author, and everything I create, you know, is going out in the world and I measure my life by what I create. And these things, you have to develop sort of your own, buffer against the way the world thinks you should be now again there is a bit of a societal shift where it's much more acceptable now to kind of say oh well I'm doing this and that and and the other um 
but you have to really sort of define what success means to you. So I just want, you know, taking it forward positively, <laughs> obviously yeah. I came out of those things. So right now I'm speaking to you from my flat. Uh, I don't, I do go to a cafe to write my fiction, but I don't have to impose a structure on me because I, I have my own structure. Um, my self-esteem is very, very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's, yeah. It takes time to grow. And so, but what I like saying to people is you do have to be prepared for some psychological shifts when you're moving to working for yourself. And I mean, I imagine, you know, you're, you're a mom. It's pretty similar for many women who, uh, you know, have or might be a career woman and then have to go home with the, the newborn and wonder what the hell just happened to their, <laughs> to their life. Yeah, that crying kid does not tell you you're doing a good yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. And you probably, ha- you know, there's a lot of psychological um, shifts when you change from one type of world to another type of world. And I think it's the same with, with entrepreneurship. Yeah. Is that what inspired The Healthy Writer? Uh, well, The Healthy Writer is is my latest nonfiction book, which I wrote in 2017. So it's it's kind of different. Yeah. But I think what, you know, sort of fast forwarding, what can end up happening as an entrepreneur is then you are your boss and you can get to a point where you work all the time. <laughs> and that's basically yeah. what I had got to, which is that you have to kind of go from saying yes, yes, yes to everything to saying no, no, no. And I think you put that in your 2018 goals, right? As yeah. you, have to, you have to stop saying yes all the time. And I had the yeah. same thing. I write under three different author names. I'm very driven uh, to be successful financially and creatively. And yes, I give myself too much to do. So the healthy writer was part of my own journey of, okay, I need, if I want to live a long, happy, healthy life, I need to look after my body as well as my mind. I need to schedule movement. I need to eat well. Uh, I need to sleep a lot. I need to say no more and yeah, really manage my life. So I often write nonfiction to teach myself about things. Yeah. <laughs> and in that way, I love teach that. Others. I did love, though, that in The Healthy Writer, you don't just talk about the physical side of things, that you do talk about mental health, the loneliness and isolation, self-esteem. Like, I really appreciated that that side of things was in the book. Oh, great. And I think that was quite surprising to me, the amount of loneliness. But that's the other problem when you work from home. And what I, I suggest is you have to take control of your friendships and you have to be the one who is getting out there. And I've met most of my best friends uh, since leaving my day job on Twitter, which is kind of hilarious, uh, given the, back, the yeah. backlash against social media. But I, you know, I moved to Bath a few years ago in the southwest of England. And, you know, I started to look for writers who lived in Bath and then I would tweet them and then set up a coffee date. And you, know, you have yeah. to kind of friend date and find a new community. Uh, so as part of the designing your lifestyle for your future self, you do also have to think about a support network both online and offline and again that takes time to build yeah do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert oh definitely an introvert um yeah and yeah I guess we we should be it should be clear on that um which is someone who gets energy from being on their own as opposed to an extrovert who gets energy from being with people so I'm not shy 
and shy not shy is another scale so I'm I'm perfectly I'm not shy but I am an introvert so I need a lot of time on my own and in fact um, Myers-Briggs I'm INFJ which is the most common type for a writer which is which is really interesting but it's so funny how people think, oh, well, you're an introvert. You don't need people. We're like, yeah, no, we do need friends still. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We do need connection. Yeah, we like Just being on, on our, our own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think, yeah. And, and, it, and when you've come from an office environment, you're craving more time alone. And yeah. then you're alone. And then you're like, oh what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? So in the, I do go to the cafe to write in the morning and I have noise cancelling headphones, which is great for the introvert bit, but I also like being around a, a bustle that's going yeah. on, a kind of movement, which probably stems from my uh, corporate life. Yeah. So every book that we write teaches us something and you've had plenty, <laughs> plenty of published books. What book taught you the most either about yourself or about the process or? Well, I think for fiction, because I I write thrillers under JF Penn. And one of the big things about writing fiction is a very different animal to to writing nonfiction. Nonfiction is like, oh, you know, how to be a healthy writer. And you sort of list out some chapters and fill in the blanks. (laughs) Uh, But with fiction, it kind of arises more from inside. And this thing called the writer's voice is very hard to define and it's something that I think only emerges after an amount of time and again if you've spent a lot of time in corporate life you end up with quite a stilted business-like voice (laughs) because you know if you write specifications and technical documents and things like that you can come across as quite stiff and impersonal so it took me a while to find my voice so I think the book that probably made the biggest impact on me and the book I'm I'm very fond of is a book called Desecration uh, which is one of my thrillers and it it is dark so if people do like Stephen King then you know this is a book for, for you it's a it's a crime novel but it goes into the nature of of the physical self and I really with that book it was the first book I felt I let myself go I let myself write without self-censorship and that is a big deal I think there's so much yeah so much of what we do is censored I mean obviously you and I are being authentic but we are curating our what we're saying for the audience and I, I think the curation of our voice is important, but also to let that voice emerge is so critical to become uh, a fiction author, a successful fiction author. And when you feel successful, then you feel like this book is saying what I wanted it to say, <laughs> which yeah. can be quite difficult. So, yeah, I think I learned how to let go of self-censorship. And, and that actually led to a nonfiction book called The Successful Author Mindset, because what I felt in the writing of that book was so much self-doubt, uh, so much fear of judgment. The fear of judgment with that book was huge. Like, like, what will my mum think? And my mum hated it. <laughs> you know, what will my mother-in-law think? What will, I mean, these questions, does, should it matter? But it does matter. So, yeah, I think I learned a lot about self-censorship, about letting it go and letting my voice emerge. And since then, I've been pretty brave, I think. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you're having all those questions and all that self-doubt, how do you let yourself go? Well, I think the main thing is to accept that self-doubt is part of the creative process. 
So it doesn't stop. And in fact, I've spoken to authors who've been writing for 40 or more years. And they still say every when they finish that book and it comes out in the world, they are scared about how people will react, you know, and their famous authors hate their one star reviews on Amazon just as much as a new author. Yeah. And so you you basically I think the main thing you learn by writing again and again and again and putting yourself out there again and again and again is that you just learn that it's part of the process. And I guess coming back to the intrinsic self, that part of you inside where you're like, this is me. No one can touch that. Even if you think this is the worst book ever or, you know, you hate the picture I put on Instagram or whatever, I'm I'm strong with this. This is what I wanted to put out there in the world because th- there's a mixed blessing with our ability to put stuff in the world because yeah. <laughs> it's awesome and we can find an audience and most like 99% of people are awesome and lovely and write lovely things and say lovely things. But it's that tiny percentage who attack us that we are hurt by and yeah. you have to be able to deal with that but you have to have a thick skin if you're going to write or if you're going to put yourself out there but they're also you know that's why not everyone is doing this because some people can't get over that fear Uh, and you you do you just have to learn to get on with it so do you read reviews or do you just once it's out there it's out there and be what it will be yeah I don't read my reviews I do after the first month I do check my overall star rating on Amazon but I try his thing is if you read your five star reviews you get all puffed up and think you're great and if you read your one stars you just go and hide under the duvet <laughs> yeah. kill yourself uh, so no I, I don't read my reviews my I measure I my intrinsic measure I guess is the number of books I put out in the world or doing a podcast every week or, you know, those sort of things I can measure and also my income because I figure if that's trending up, then all is good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So on that, like, this is a business. It's not just, you know, writing for fun. Like, this is how you make your living. Do you create sort of an annual plan for for your business every year or what does that goal setting process look like for you? Well, I because I do so much on my blog, there's a couple of checkpoints during the year where I look at um, goals. So on the 1st of January, like you, I'm a new year type of person. (laughs) So on the 31st of December, I post my year roundup. And on the 1st of January, I post my goals for the year. And because I I write under three different names, uh, so books under those names are one big goal like what what are the books I'm going to write or this year I'm going to write two screenplays for some of my novels I'm going to write another two novels I'm probably going to write two non-fiction books that type of thing then I have goals around the podcast around my income now around my my fitness I'm doing a double ultra in a few months oh um, my gosh <laughs> yeah about <laughs> the time when you're having your baby so yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like mm. you'll be in more pain <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know <laughs> yeah you know good point mine mine will be about 48 hours I think so <laughs> yeah yeah anyway so I do that and then also my tax year ends in at the end of April. So every I do my financial, you know, measurements and then I post in May, I post about my financial year end and some of the lessons I've learned around that uh, it might be well this series sold better in audio for example. I wonder why that is, should I do more of it? 
for example, audiobooks for nonfiction are very lucrative, whereas for my fiction, it's not so lucrative. So yes, I'm doing more nonfiction. So I'll reflect at these particular points. And then September is the anniversary of leaving my job. So I tend to do a post in September of my lessons learned. So I don't have like a business plan document, but I have these check-ins that I post in public. And then my husband and I, as directors of the company, we have weekly business meetings around, you know, strategy and also the minutiae of running the business. Like, have you done that video yet? (laughs) That type of thing. So I, I have different levels, but I certainly, I don't have, you know, a business plan in a sort of official template or anything like that. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's just interesting because very much as an entrepreneur, you have to and and in the digital world, you have to experiment with things like you're saying, like audio for fiction didn't go as well. Like, let's double down on the nonfiction audio. Like, it seems there's so much testing that has to go on and you have to give it time to sort of realize whether the test has worked or not. Yeah. And even more so with something like fiction, because usually, I mean, your first novel just won't make a blip on anyone's radar. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, you might think it might, but it generally won't. And it normally takes three to five novels before you're even making, say, a thousand dollars a month, uh, which for many people is definitely not enough to live on. So I think the idea of to me, being an entrepreneur is also about multiple streams of income. So it's being able to do those experiments. So I know that I can spend, say, three months writing a novel or this year, you know, the three months writing a screenplay. Now, I may never make any money from that screenplay, but the lessons I'm going to learn around story, story structure and dialogue and all of that will come into my future novels. So you have to invest in spending time to continue upskilling. Now, at the same time, I get a sponsorship for my podcast. So I know I have money coming in if I podcast every Monday, then so I can balance the experiment of a screenplay with the income from my podcast to give myself a bit of breathing space. So that would be another tip for people is don't rely on one stream of income. And it's funny because, of course, that's what you do with a job. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think it's crazy. You know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need to have multiple streams. So and, and, you know, I actually have probably over 100 streams now. So it's not a big deal if I lose uh, one of them. Yeah. Well, and I mean, oh, I'm my pregnancy brain is causing this issue. <laughs> Patreon. There we go. Yeah, like the blip that happened on Patreon recently, that must have affected you and Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, they did an experiment in public which was, oh, let's change our fee structure. Oh, we've screwed up. Let's reverse that. <laughs> I mean, what was so interesting is I, yeah, I, sure. I had a couple of people who canceled because they changed the fees. But what's nice about Patreon to me is most of the people supporting my podcast on Patreon are giving a dollar. So they're paying $2 a month and you know, to pay $2.25 or something for most people is not that big a deal. So most people didn't uh, stop supporting. But the I think the Patreon lesson itself is interesting. Look, you do have to try stuff. But if you screw it up, there are ways that you can fix it. So I'm not as a creator, I'm not deserting them. You know, I think they're a great company. And I think they've done this amazing thing that means a lot more people are making a living now. I mean, there are there are musicians making 30, 50 grand a month 
from Patreon. And it, it's actually a model of almost getting a, a monthly wage. It's, yeah. it's, it's an incredible thing. So we're so lucky to be living at this point in history, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But if you were a writer, say, that had all of their eggs in one basket, like we were talking about in terms of your income coming from Patreon, and then that, you know, blip could have a, a much larger impact, whereas you've got that many more uh, yeah. income yeah. streams. Exactly. Or even take someone like Facebook. As we talk now, like I was think it was Friday or Saturday, they said they're going to be changing the algorithm again. Yeah. Okay. And all, you know, in order to stop or not stop, but prevent pages from getting so much notice. So that's immediately going to decimate some businesses who are dependent on Facebook for their marketing. Yeah. Uh, so again, in the same way, multiple streams of income, but multiple streams of marketing. So, you know, you and I both know podcasting is it's a great marketing stream. It's very slow. You can't really measure it. But yeah. <laughs> over time, I know it makes a huge difference. So I think all of this, the lesson really is you have to start sort of scattering your seeds around and the problem yeah. with seeds is you don't get a harvest straight away and where I am right now at the sort of 10 10 year mark is the harvest is, you know is good and and I can I see more harvests ahead <laughs> which yeah. is awesome <laughs> yeah so as we sort of mentioned not I mean you're not just a full-time writer I mean you do the marketing you do podcasting you're writing both fiction and non-fiction what does an average week look like for you? Cause I, or like, do you theme your days to what you're working on or how do you balance it all? Yeah, so two things. So first of all, I do always do my creative work first thing. So I'm at the cafe at seven and between seven and sort of 9.30ish, I do my creative output, which is usually my thrillers or I also co-write sweet romance with my mum, with yeah. my mum, <laughs> which is which is kind of fun. Uh, so uh, this morning I was at the cafe, seven to 9.30. Then I usually do some exercise in my healthy writer sense, uh, yoga or walking or something. Then I come back and the afternoons are usually business stuff, marketing, marketing, podcasting. So today I'm batching three interviews back to back. So um, doing this kind of batching is really important too. The, the one thing I've changed for this year, which uh, in your vein of, of being more organized and is batching. So I've mapped out on my calendar that for two weeks in the month, I won't do interviews. So last year I would do say this interview with you today, another interview tomorrow afternoon, another interview, you know, the next day afternoon. And now I'm like, no, put them all on the same afternoon. And then I can do Deep Work, which is a great book by Cal Newport. Yeah, really important because you know how long it takes to kind of transition from, oh, I'm working on something to, oh, I've got an interview in 10 minutes and then afterwards. So, that's been my big change this year is trying also to clear more space in my diary. So for example, I do courses. So I have how to write a novel, which is an online course and doing an online course is a different type of energy to writing a novel. So I will do the creation of the online courses in the afternoon, or I'll do email marketing, which let's face it, doesn't feel that creative to me, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's necessary or I'll, you know, format a blog post or, all of these different things. So absolutely, I'm an early bird so and a morning person. So create in the morning, marketing, business stuff, afternoon. Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. And I love that you have that time dedicated to to exercise or healthy, healthy living. Yeah. And also, I think the big shift, I was talking to my husband about this. We on Sundays, we do a big walk. We do like 20K or something. And um, I was like, do you know, the biggest thing that's changed is last year, I thought about diet and exercise. And this year, I'm thinking about food and eating and movement. So this has been a huge shift for me because I think the word the words diet and exercise mean negative things yeah. to so many of us. And now I think about lovely food and moving and movement to me is now yoga it's walking it's and it doesn't feel like exercise so if pe- if people are struggling with that and and the other thing is it's an investment in my brain because what I learned through the book uh, although I'd been sort of listening to Tim Ferriss on nootropics and brain hacking the best brain ha- hacking is eating well sleeping well <laughs> and doing some exercise <laughs> yeah well, it's funny, and I've just been reading this uh, book that just came out, The Better Brain Solution, and so much of it does come down to what you eat and how you move your body. Yeah, it's and crazy, you can improve it? your memory, and you can improve your brain function and your focus, literally, like, literally from moving more and eating more green vegetables. Yeah, and we're just like, no, it, it can't be that simple. But it's interesting because it's very similar to writing a book. People are like, oh, so what is the secret? And you're like, well, you sit down and you put words on the page. <laughs> That's it. And you do that over and over again until you have a book and then you do some editing. And it's, I guess it's the same thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, that it is simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want, I mean, we live in a society that wants the quick fix solution, right? And at the same, like you're saying, it's not an overnight success. This was years in the making, but now you're reaping the benefits of it. Yeah, exactly. And and more than that, I love what I do every day. And I haven't cried in years, <laughs> except oh. at like a movie, you know. So I think yeah. that's sort of the biggest thing is seeing what you want in your future and understanding that it's going to take a bit longer than you might think. Uh, and then, but the, the, the other thing is you'll move the goalpost, you know, like I'm not satisfied with where I am. I mean, I'm grateful and I do that great, you know, I'm gratitude journal and stuff like that, but I'm still looking forward. I'm still looking at what I want to achieve. What body of work do I want to make in the next 45, 50 years, of course. Um, so yeah, but it, I do just, I love what I do and, and that's that's so important yeah so as a podcaster I have to ask you about your podcast you're on episode number 358 <laughs> now I know people ask this to authors all the time but like how do you come up with new ideas for your for your content because it's not just like you know writing 20 books which is still huge this is 358 episodes (laughs) well it's so funny because my podcast we're talking in January my show is uh already scheduled out to September (laughs) oh wow yeah so basically I have so many ideas that I you know I have to schedule things because I can't just put it all out there and this is another good tip for people so the creativepen.com pen with a double n is my third website so I started two other sites before those and I ran out of ideas so this is a big tip if you are running out of ideas you probably haven't got the right mix for what you're doing so um the, my podcast is interviews that you know like yours and I do some 
shows on my own as well. And I just meet interesting people and I want to talk to them about what they're doing. And, and that's that's how it sort of happened. But with the blog, again, I have articles and I mean, with books, I have a ton of books I want to write. So I think the the idea muscle becomes stronger the more you use it. And also, I think you have to be pretty determined to carry things on. So a couple of years ago, I was going to give up the podcast because it just wasn't worth the time to me. It just didn't. I was like, I'm spending all this time. I could be writing books. I need to stop it. And then I did some listening to my audience and I doubled down. I went I was biweekly and then I went weekly. So it's become a, a habit. And I also used, uh, employed some VAs. So I employed a sound guy, a transcription uh, editor, and I also went to Patreon and I took sponsorship. So I went from giving it up to changing it up so that I was going to make more money and have more time, (laughs) which is, you just have to reframe things sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we so appreciate it because you've got so many fantastic gems in there. Like, and everything from, like, you talk about the the books that you've written, you have an episode on the author mindset, but also, like, publishing a coloring book, like an adult coloring book. <laughs> and, like, I, I love it. There's something for every type of, of author on there. Oh, good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, with the time that we have left, I wanted to move into sort of the five wrap-up questions that I ask all of our guests. And the first one, I have a feeling I know that writing falls in here, but if there's anything else, what are the things or the projects that get you really fired up in a good way? Well, it's, I am actually a real futurist. <laughs> so if people do listen to my shows, was we talking in January, I just posted a big futurist episode on my podcast. Um, which is essentially how all the technological trends are going to affect creators, things like the blockchain, uh, things like AI. Uh, So I love all that stuff. It gets me really positive about the future and the opportunities that are ahead of us are greater than the ones that are behind us. And I hope that encourages people because I do meet people who think that they've missed the boat. Yeah. But you haven't. Like every day there are new things that can take you into a new direction. So, yeah, I get very fired up by like Wired.com or Digital Trends or the next web. I I read all those blogs and and just get very excited about the future. Yeah. Well, I'm sure people were feeling they missed the boat when the wheel was invented. They're like, nope, it's done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hard for a reader to answer this question, I know. But what is one of the most inspiring books you've read in the past few years? Something that's really either changed the way you think or has affected you greatly? Uh, well, yeah, I, I read a lot of books, um, yeah, as, I know. as you do. And well, I want to circle back to that deep work by Cal Newport. I think at the end of the day, there are books that I have in print and ebook and audio, and that's one of them. And I have listened to the audio a number of times. And so deep work is, is it's essentially really like, what do you want to do with your life and how to do it? <laughs> I, yeah. You know, really focusing on, on that. The other book I would say is probably uh, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari uh, and then he has a second one which is called Homo Deus and those books have changed my thinking in a number of ways in, uh, in major ways so Sapiens has, has actually led to me not eating red meat at all oh, okay which which is really weird because I never had 
that moment before in my life and in reading that book I, I came up he has that book is very challenging it's the book I probably have more discussions about than anything else uh, around gender around how we treat the planet around how we treat animals around the future of humanity so yes sapiens but and that it won all the prizes so if you haven't read it or get it on audiobook because it's really deep <laughs> okay yeah I'm just looking at it online now I hadn't heard of it before but it looks fa I, I there's very few goodreads reviews over 4.4 so that's pretty amazing <laughs> there you go there you go do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by well, the, problem, the words I live by are measure your life um, or I measure my life by what I create. And that I think I, I came up with that myself, I think, but it yeah. sort of stems from a lot of other people's self-help things. But I, I really think about that. And I also have on my wall, have you made art today? And by art, I mean something new in the world. So I think what I found with the corporate life is when I look back at a year of working as in accounts payable, I was like, what have I achieved? How do I measure this year? The only way I can measure it is by photos of the holidays I spent my money on. <laughs> and yeah. I love traveling like you do. But it was like, well, okay, that was kind of a self-focused thing. Or yeah, I've bought a house or whatever, but I don't feel like I'm achieving things. I don't have an ever-growing pile of things I have achieved. And in fact, if you work in technology as I did, the systems that you implement get overwritten very quickly. So everything you ever did disappears within about, you know, 24 months. So now I measure my life by what I create. And at the end of the year, I measure my pile of books and you know, I, I absolutely will get to like 100 books in my lifetime, hopefully before the end of my lifetime. <laughs> That's amazing. And what I love about that is there's so many people I know right now, unfortunately, that are getting to the end of their careers. And they, like we had talked about, they've been in those traditional one or two or three companies their entire life kind of thing. And they're getting to the end of it and they're thinking, now what? Like, what mm. did I do with that time? Like, my dad's about to retire and, you know, a project that he's focused on his entire life is just not going to happen and I think like when you put that much focus and energy on something that you don't have control over like that there's there is a beauty to being an entrepreneur or a creative person in that you have a certain level of control because it's what you create and what you put out there yeah and to encourage people like I mentioned writing with my mum and the main reason is that my mum left her job she worked for Hewlett Packard which is a very big you know American company and she she was entirely kind of indoctrinated into that life and when she left uh, when she was old you know, old according to them you know at sort of 62 or whatever it was she was like what do I do with my life I've defined myself by that and after looking at different things I said, why don't you write a book, mom? And yeah. so we, we ended up uh, publishing her first book last year. And actually, we did three together last year. So yeah. she's and she loves it. So to encourage people whose parents or, you know, older people or anyone who's going through that life shift, you can find uh, the thing. But again, you have to kind of double down and investigate what you really love. Yeah. And it's so funny because I read all these things about like millennials getting a really hard like rap coming into the workplace. But in some ways, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I, in some ways, I think they've figured that out from watching their parents 
and not like not wanting to go into that from the get-go that they care about work-life balance and wanting to find their meaningful career from the get-go not that it's easy and not that it's easy for them to come into the workplace but in some ways they have certain values in line from the get-go which is kind of nice to see Oh, yeah. And one of the things I'm excited about in my futurist head, I'm Generation X, but I love the millennials. Like, I think the world is going to be changed by the millennials. And in fact, now, uh, as of 2017, millennials outnumber the boomers. So even if some millennials who might be listening feel like they don't have the power because of various political situations. (laughs) uh, I mean, in Canada, for example, you know, you guys have already shifted, whereas many, you know, countries still have leaders who are older. Whereas we have France, you know, in Europe. um, But there are lots of shifts that are happening because of, you know, people in their 30s now and or early 40s who are coming into changing what is accepted in the workplace and this entrepreneurial shift is indeed one of them very exciting times absolutely so i'm sure there's many but what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given so i think you know it's got to come back to creation uh so i still have affirmations and one of my sort of the things i say at the beginning of my affirmations is i am a creator you know, what I what is in my mind can be manifested in the world. And as a writer who has on her desk books that she has written, <laughs> I actually the things that are in my head actually do become things in the world. And that's a very, very powerful thing. And so I think the life advice is you create your reality. And if you take 100 percent responsibility for your life, and then aim towards that reality, you can create it over time. Now, I don't want to be too woo-woo law of attraction, (laughs) but the important part of law of attraction is action. So you decide what you want, you decide that you can create your reality, and then you move towards that uh, by taking action. So if you want to be a writer, then write, you know, what are the other things you want to achieve? So yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of another quote I've heard of where it's nobody cares about your dreams as much as you do. Yeah. And not in a negative way, but that if you want to achieve those dreams, it is down to you to take the steps to do it because ultimately you care the most or you should care the most. Yeah. And also, I think uh, I don't know who said it again. I mean, all these quotes are awesome, but yeah. it's the, um, you know, you overestimate what you can achieve in a year and you underestimate what you can achieve in 10 years. So. Yeah. I had no idea, you know, back in 2007 that I would be, or 2008, you know, that I would be a full-time author, entrepreneur, making multi-six figures. I had no idea that I would be doing this. But I had in my mind this this thought that I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to travel. I wanted to make a living from my laptop. I wanted to help other people. And these things together over time ended up And my actions obviously ended up creating the life I have now. So yeah, it might take a while, but you can get there. That's amazing. Well, final question, Joanna, what does it mean to you to live your best life? Oh, it's such a big question. But again, I have to come back to creating. So every day I need to create something new in the world and I want to help other people. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Did you add on question to there? I know. Did you know that when you quit your job or is that like you've developed that over time that that's? No, I I think that's what I left with. You know, I I want to 
right and I want to help other people and yeah and I want to travel (laughs) but yeah that I and I wanted to make good money that's the other thing just on the practical side I always said that I would be a wealthy writer I was never going to be the poor author in the garret because I actually believe you can help a lot of people when you're wealthy you know so those were some of the things that I did I wrote them down and I have lots of journals behind me uh, as I record this and my journals have all of those things in over and over and over again over years so you know you, you you have to know what you want and then move towards it yeah it's field of dreams if you build it they will come <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely well thank you so much Joanna for joining us on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure Oh, thanks so much for having me. And if people are interested, I'm at thecreativepen.com, pen with a double N. And if you have any questions, I'm on Twitter at thecreativepen. Perfect. We will link to all of the places to find you and your books in the show notes. Thanks so much, Victoria. think I've made it abundantly clear that I love Joanna. <laughs> I think she has so much wisdom and knowledge to offer. And what I, and I mentioned it in the podcast, the fact that she offers so many of these resources for free is phenomenal. So, I mean, I highly recommend that you go and you check out um, her books. They're definitely very affordable, worth the money. But, you know, if you're not in that financial place, I totally get it as well. So that's where you can check out most of the posts on her blog at thecreativepen.com. You can follow her on Twitter at thecreativepen. And her podcast is an absolute pleasure to listen to. It comes out weekly and that's also linked to in the podcast. Now, we also talked about some books in there that are fantastic as audiobooks. I am on an audiobook kick, you guys. I think most of you know this. They are changing my life because, you know, I got a two-year-old. I am pregnant. I am tired. I work a full-time job and I podcast and I write and I blog and I do all these things that I absolutely love. But it means that at the end of the day, I maybe have time for about 10 pages to read before going to bed before I absolutely fall asleep exhausted. So, Audiobooks are changing my life. I listen to them on my commute. I listen to them while I'm getting ready. You know, when my kid's in the bath and he's happy playing along, I listen to audiobooks and I'm getting so much reading in. So Joanna had mentioned Deep Work. She had also mentioned Sapiens, and Joanna has a number of audiobooks available herself. So if you want an audiobook for free, for free, then you just need to go to audibletrial.com forward slash girl tries life and you will get a free book as part of your 30-day free trial and I guarantee you will become addicted to audiobooks in the same way that I am. It's one of the best ways to improve your reading landscape and and honestly just (laughs) embrace the love of reading again if you are as busy as I am. So Today's show notes can be found again at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash four seven. Before you go, last final thing, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would absolutely love it if you would leave a rating and a review in iTunes. It makes all the difference in the world to people finding us. It also makes a difference to people that are interested in being guests on the show. They want to find out if people are actually interested and people are actually liking the show. And fun fact that I recently realized is that depending on what country you're in, you only see the reviews from that country. 
So while I have a ton of reviews from Canada, I don't have that many from the US or the UK or other countries. So if I'm asking guests to be a part of the show that are from those countries, they go onto iTunes and they see no reviews and they don't think anyone listens to us. And that is just not the case. So again, if you're willing to leave a rating and review, you would absolutely make my day. Uh, I'm aiming for 50 reviews by the 50th episode. So if, uh, if you would be so kind, you would make a very, very happy girl. So have a fantastic week. I look forward to catching up with you next week for our coaching episode. Have a great week.